This is Dan Figella, and you're listening to AI and Industry. This is a bonus episode. Our normal series this month of November on building your corporate AI strategy will continue on Tuesday when we normally publish our AI and Industry podcast. This bonus episode is about advancing your career in the era of AI, and this is specifically for non-technical professionals. So if you're a manager, you're a VP, or even a consultant, and your aim is to be more valuable, not less in the era of AI disruption, to not learn to code, to avoid learning to code, which is what I've tried to do, but to still make yourself tremendously valuable in terms of AI strategy, in terms of being able to be involved in lucrative, high opportunity AI projects within your current business, within your sector in general. For consultants, this means being a part of super lucrative AI transformations of larger companies. And for professionals, this means being involved in the exciting projects as opposed to staying plugged into the legacy business, being involved in the part of its transformation, the part that's going to be increasingly valuable as AI starts to creep its way into industry. It's been my job to put together a report on this topic, which will be launching in the month of November. It is not yet launched. The report is going to be about getting started with AI, specifically uh, about advancing your career in the era of artificial intelligence for non-technical professionals. And this week, we have German Sanchez Trillis on the show. German is one of our technical advisors. He is not only well-schooled in natural language processing and academia, but he is extremely experienced in actually applying AI in the enterprise and in mid-sized business. From e-commerce, from online media, Germans worked on a lot of different projects. And I actually have him review some of the key themes in our report. So we actually got to read through the Getting Started with AI report. We gave him a copy ahead of time to be able to dive into some of the themes and topics in greater depth. And German talks about some of the critical ideas about having an incubation period for artificial intelligence projects, and also some of the key ideas for actually successfully adopting AI, being able to move things through the idea phase, through a pilot phase, into sort of an actual successful implementation. These are the kinds of things that non-technical folks can easily learn themselves if they simply know the frameworks and understand the best practices. German has direct experience in this area, which I thought would be valuable, and he also previews some of the best content of this to-be-released report, which I thought would be valuable as well. So if you'd like to be notified of when this report goes live, you can go to emerge.com, that's E-M-E-R-J.com slash C1, that's C for career, emerge.com slash C1. And you'll receive the three article series that we're releasing on this theme of advancing your career in the era of AI. And you'll also be notified when we actually release the formal report itself, which will be a little bit later in this month. We'll have about a five-day window where we're going to have a lot of additional free resources geared around the future career trajectory for non-technical professionals. So without further ado, this is a bit of our break from the theme for this month. But because we're releasing this report this month, I thought German's insights were excellent, and I wanted to make sure to share them. So without further ado, this is German Sanchez Trillis here on the AI and Industry Podcast. So German, we've we've just kind of flipped through the Getting Started with AI report, and I know there's a couple sections here that you thought would be useful for folks who are interested in leveraging AI insight to kind of further their career. And one of those was the phases of AI adoption. You've done way more of this work hands-on than most people in terms of actually deploying AI within businesses. How do you think about kind of this, this incubation phase that's kind of novel to AI? And how have you seen that work out, I guess, in the real world? Well, from, from the projects that I've been working on, the AI incubation phase is perhaps the most important one because, of course, it's important to understand 
what to expect from an AI project and the proof of concept, and that allows to to sort of start digging into the problem. But from the proof of concept, you only get like a baby that does not know how to walk, does not know how to talk, doesn't know a, a lot of things. You know that you you will be able to to get there, to get to the business goal you want to reach, because that's what the proof of concept is for. But it's still very immature, and in that period of, of doing that immature thing a bit more mature is where a lot of value is found and is also where many difficulties are found. That's where, for instance, you start working with the real data. And until then, perhaps you had a proof of concept, which was very nice and which was working, but suddenly you start working with the real data and things change. And that that's often the case. For instance, in a recommender system, we built that the, the the incubation the the proof of concept worked very nicely and then we started working with hundred million records and and suddenly it was different because everything was different the scale was different the 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 outcome was different yeah so, yeah okay I, yeah so I think that's a, a very important phase to be able to to bridge the gap between the proof of concept and and what actually provides value to the business. And there's also a lot of learning involved in that phase, both for the business and for the technical people. Yeah, I, th- I think most people go in thinking that the, the the proof of concept is where you would learn, right? Like where you build a little sandbox, you get your little carved out cold static data. Maybe it's representative, but it's cold static data. And you kind of make it work with an algorithm and you say, hey, look at that. When When we have, you know, somebody come in for this, you know, we're going to know to recommend them that product, like, oh, this is great. But like you said, the learning comes when we actually start feeding it the real data and we say, are these recommendations still good? You mentioned kind of the recommendation example, so maybe we'll go more into that. I know you've done a, a ton of work in retail as well as other sectors, but maybe go into sort of what's different, you know, like really paint the picture of what are the new and novel things that get learned when you actually you know, move into this second phase here to this kind of unique AI incubation phase? What are the what are the things you would never discover in a sandbox and why is that important? Well, the first, I can think of two examples quite quickly. The first one is that in the concept, we were mainly working in a, in, in a sandbox with, with just a bunch of data. We were only looking at, at automatic metrics, but in the incubation phase, we had some final users involved assessing whether those recommendations were valuable. And suddenly they were not. They were just trash. We only found out in the incubation phase because it was where actual users were involved and were telling us what they were seeing. And that basically meant that the technology that we had developed was valuable for doing experiments, but needed to go through a strong process of tuning for the actual problem. And and, and, and we did. And, and it was valuable in the end of the of the incubation phase. But it was so important that it moved the system from being useless to being very useful. And then another problem I can think of is that in the proof concept, we were dealing with static data, which is easy. But in the incubation phase, we started dealing with real data, which implied two things. It implied that it was much more data, but also implied that we needed to, to put that new data into the system in an agile way. We could not wait weeks until the system was trained. And that was a whole new problem as well. So basically, you go into the problems that a real system has to deal with and that you sometimes are not even able to think of during the, during the proof of concept. 
Yeah, when you think about those those things that you you literally couldn't have even thought of, what what's like a hypothetical example of that? Just a, an insight, a critical bit of sort of information you need to really deploy it that you would really only get during that second phase. Well, you need to know, you need to find him, for instance, how you are going to evaluate them, the system. You need to understand what will be valuable from the system. And that's one piece of, of information that you only get from the incubation phase. The, the real thing, you, you have some toy metrics during the proof of concept, but the real thing, you only get it during the incubation phase. Yeah. And in terms of sort of developing a runbook, I mean, we go into more of this in the report, but we talk about kind of building out how this project is actually going to be managed when it's deployed. A lot of people, I think, would presume that if you build a proof of concept, then you figure out how the AI works and then you kind of plug it in and then you know how to deploy it. But really, there's this this incubation phase where you have to learn how this, this monster is going to work. You have to learn sort of what it's going to look like to actually get this live. Can you maybe walk us through some of those lessons? Because you, you've done this in a number of existing businesses. There's a lot of complications here. What, is, what does that look like? Well, for instance, you need to look into how much load is the, is the system going to be able to bear with. In a proof of concept, you don't need real-time results, but in, a, in the incubation phase, you start realizing that, wow, you need 25 requests per second on a system that is taking, I don't know, one minute to produce an output. So that part of taking the proof of concept to production is a, is a strong part where you need to assess what are the production needs, what are the memory requirements, what hardware do I have available for that product, for, for taking that proof of concept and making a product out of that. You also need to be able to understand what does the security look like? Is the system going to sit behind a proxy and is, is, is safe and there's no risk? Or is it going to face the internet and you will be hammered every second, 100 times by hackers? What does it look like to support this model? What are you do- going to do in order to be able to adapt that model in time to the new data coming in? So that kind of aspects which are involved in in taking a proof concept to, to, to developing an actual product, a live product, those are the things that are more critical there. Yeah, and I guess lessons you, you couldn't possibly learn in pure sandbox mode alone right? with that initial kind of cold data. All right, so the, the second question I wanted to dig into here, German, is about the ROI uncertainty of AI. When I told you a bit about the audience that'd be tuning in, you know, folks who are managers and VPs, they want more career opportunity. They want, you know, more income and excitement with their career by being involved in the the AI-related projects and kind of growing their career. You'd mentioned that ROI uncertainty section of the getting started report might be really important. For you, what are the must-know details there for someone who might not be a CEO, but really needs to understand AI? What's, what's critical to know in that regard? I think there it's important to know that it's often very uncertain what ROI will look like. Uh, Typically, an AI project is, or you try to to address an AI project as though it was a a regular IT project, but it's not. So it's a a much higher risk project in which you basically start doing some research. And typically, it's research what you start doing. And at some point, you realize that that research will lead somewhere or will not lead somewhere. And I think that's the key part, and that's the key factor there to understand that ROI is not necessarily 
bound to be short term, but rather long term. If you if you address only one single project about AI, there are strong odds that the that the ROI will not come in the short term. But in the long term, strategically, it will be able you will be able to gather some some ROI and to understand that that it was worth it. To be able to to narrow down that risk, which is obviously a, an important risk, it's important to focus on vendors or companies or teams that have a proven record of being able to gather that, to, to build that solution. And there are some, some ways to understand that, for instance, looking at what, uh, what the profile of the, of the people looks like. Did they work on similar projects? What, what is their training? Or if you are working with companies, what is their record of in, in the market? Have they, they been there for a long time or are they new incomers? Of course, they are very good and great new incomers, but being able to, to show a track of having done AI projects in the past and, and having gathered some, some ROI is obviously a good sign towards understanding that they will be able to do that. Yeah, I guess that's part of the chicken and egg problem, right? It's like everybody wants to see vendors that are proven, but then vendors need to get some traction in order to prove themselves in the first place. So this is all part of what makes enterprise AI really hard. And of course, that stuff is valuable to understand. I know we have some of our listeners and subscribers who, by being on the podcast, by just reading our material in the newsletter and whatnot, have become involved in the early AI projects in their company. You know, they're, they're at the strategy table, so to speak. They're sort of, even if the company hasn't taken off with AI, they're at least involved in it. When you think about why this ROI insight is so important for someone like that, I guess, where would that insight kind of come into play, be useful? Would it be useful in, I mean, you're mentioning kind of vetting vendors. Maybe there's relevance in terms of strategy, in terms of planning. You know, where would someone like one of our listeners, you know, use this information fruitfully to kind of contribute to the, the AI conversation in their company? Well, for instance, it can also be useful in order to understand what you are going to, to get from an AI project. And that probably means prioritizing projects which are perhaps the least interesting or the least, say, beautiful, but perhaps that's where the lowest hanging fruits are. And if you focus on the lowest hanging fruits, then you will have a, a first bunch of use cases where you have been able to apply AI successfully. And then people will be less averse regarding risk. So focus on the low-hanging fruits. Be able to gather the ROI from those low-hanging fruits. And then focus on, on longer strategy on, or longer-term strategies to apply AI to perhaps more attractive, more, more researchy, but also more risky projects. Yeah. So it's just maybe, I mean, I would maybe categorize this as like, just a more realistic way to think about AI. Because I think there's a naive method where you go for the you know flashy over the moon stuff instead of taking this more pragmatic approach. And I think the risk, if you're trying to grow your career, is you waste resources. You look like a bit of a fool. You go in the wrong direction. Is, is this kind of about steering things towards pragmatic results for you? Is that sort of, I guess, the purpose, the value would be? Yes, definitely. Especially when you are starting with... Uh if you are starting your career in that sense, focus on, on being pragmatic, focus on, on, on retrieving, on, on reaping the lowest hanging fruits, the, the easiest results. Learn by doing so. 
And once you've learned and start getting bigger at the projects you deal with. Agreed. I think that most enterprises really need to build that confidence early on. And the people who are part of that early confidence building, as AI becomes a bigger and bigger part of the business, are likely to be involved in the bigger AI projects with more sort of opportunity and excitement and, and you know potential to be involved in the cool stuff. So I am totally with you there. I guess we'll, we'll end on this, German, because you're, you're one of the, the few folks who's been able to read the full report um, and, and at least you know mull over some of the insights there. When you think about where this report could come in handy for someone who is a manager, a VP, who just wants to know this stuff so they can be more valuable for their company, they can be involved in the exciting projects. What's what's sort of the value of a report like getting started? How would you kind of nutshell, I guess, how it could be useful for that kind of person? To me, it was very interesting because I see many lessons that I've learned in the in the hard way in the last years. When I quit the academic world, I, I had an idea of what AI looked like. Now, now I have a different one. And to me, those lessons learned are very well condensed here in terms that quite often it's more about managing the, the expectations, managing the project, understanding what it takes to, to go through that incubation phase, understanding what, what to expect from an AI project more than actually the, the technical part. And I think that this report here is, is, is very strong in that sense. You, you even mentioned something earlier on about, yeah, how you had said maybe five years ago, these things wouldn't be on your radar necessarily when you first got into putting AI in action in the enterprise, because it was more just about the algorithms and the science. And that's your, your world, obviously. Our audience is not necessarily technical. They're mostly business people. But that five years in, this stuff is really relevant. From the perspective of folks who are consultants. And there's some people who are probably listening who kind of serve as an internal consultant role for their company, like a strategy person. But there's going to be other folks who are, you know, IT consultants that want to be involved in, in AI projects. I feel like for me, this report was very hard one in terms of years of having to learn from a lot of people that have made a lot of mistakes. You mentioned that this condenses kind of a lot of mistakes. From the perspective of a consultant, what's the value of this kind of report for someone who's going to be serving enterprise clients who needs to interface with the C-suite and sell projects and deliver on projects? What's, what's the value for them? I think it's about like a sort of guideline of where to set the expectations, what needs to be understood beforehand. It's a sort of guideline to move from a, from a technical perspective to a more managerial perspective to be able to to talk about business not only about the technical part but also about why that's te that technical part matters to the business and indeed it's something that i wouldn't have had five years ago in my radar and i probably did not want to have it because i was ignorant about these but uh, if i would have known some of the lessons that are in this document i would certainly have had a much easier time in different in the different projects i've been involved especially at the beginning, of course. Yeah, that is the point, is try to make these lessons less hard learned. And that's a, a high compliment from someone like yourself who's actually done you know, a lot of real work in the real world after getting your, your technical accolades checked off there. So, all right, cool. Well, hopefully that's a useful perspective for the folks tuned in. German, always appreciate the insight and diving a little bit deeper into some of the critical themes of the report. Thanks for joining us again on the podcast. Thank you, Dan.
So that's all for this episode. Again, if you're interested in getting access to the full report yourself, and you actually want to see some of the best of snippets from the report, that is to say, the critical insights from the report that I'm going to be sharing before the actual report release, then be sure to go to emerge.com. That's E-M-E-R-J.com slash C1. At emerge.com slash C1, you'll be able to download the three articles that are going to be released ahead of the actual release of the full report, which have a tremendous amount of educational value in and of themselves. And they even have some videos for me. I know I've been doing audio and podcasts for quite some time. These articles actually include videos from me, which is somewhat rare, uh, but I hope will be valuable and, and add some value to that three article series on this topic. So hope you've enjoyed this bonus episode. We'll be back in the normal groove of things coming up next Tuesday on AI and Industry.